episode of generic conversations 10 episodes means that i have been doing this show for 10 weeks now and i just have to say thank you thank you for the guests who have been on our show thank you to our listeners for entertaining this new show and listening into these insightful conversations that i'm so fortunate to having since we started we have had some wonderful five-star reviews that i wanted to share with all of you if this is the first episode that you're listening to and you want to get an idea of what this show is about you can actually read all of these reviews on apple podcasts or on podchaser here is one of the reviews this is from usama so shout out to usama he says it's one of the best podcasts i have ever come across jen is such a remarkable wise and eloquent person to learn from this next one is from Lori. Her podcast is a conversation, much more than an interview. That's why it's so engaging and interesting to listen to. This other review is from Michelle. Shout out to Michelle. Jen's superpower is that even though thousands are listening, it feels like she's talking right to you. This next one is an anonymous one, but it says, love Jen's podcast. There's so much energy, enthusiasm, and totally committed to having great conversations that matter to people definitely recommend giving her a listen. Thank you so much for that. And uh, this one is my favorite because I worked really hard at coming up with the name of the show. I really enjoy the show and what a great name too. (laughs) Thank you, Russell, for that. If you've enjoyed the show so far and you wanna tell me about it, you want me to know about it and you want potential future listeners to know about the show, please visit Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and leave a five-star written review. I'd love to hear from you. As I continue to build the show, your feedback is extremely crucial to me, and I just only want to get better and better. All right, so that is my little celebratory announcement to start off this episode. I have one more announcement before I get into our amazing conversation today with Di Manuel. Have you considered starting a podcast or want to continue growing your podcast? And more importantly, have you ever participated in attempting a world record. Well, guess what? PodFest Global Summit is attempting the Guinness World Records title for the largest attendance for a virtual podcasting conference in one week. And guess what? You can still be a part of it. It's been going on this whole week from August 10th to August 15th. And at the time of this recording, the time that you're listening, you can still be a part of it today and tomorrow for free. I received an email saying that they're about 80% away from hitting the world record and you can be a part of it right now. Also, fun fact, I will be speaking at PodFest tomorrow, August 15th. And so if you wanna watch my presentation, please, please, please sign up before then. And I'd love to see you there. So, hey, don't wait, it's free. What do you have to lose? Simply check out the show notes of this episode, or you can cut to the chase and check out my list of sponsors, including PodFest at genericconversations.com. Remember, generic is with a J, like my name, Jen, genericconversations.com. Again, there's only two days left. Take advantage of that free education. Oh, and last, last thing. At this point, you may have missed out on a lot of the workshops from the beginning of this week. And if you want to still have access to those, I have a special discount code for you. 
find my social media links, reach out to me. I still have one discount code left. So reach out to me if you want to take advantage of that. And I look forward to seeing you at PodFest. All right, with that said, I am really excited to get into the 10th episode of Generic Conversations with Dai Manuel. Dai Manuel is a super dad, dating his wife with a lead by example way of living and contagious personality, who's on a mission to positively impact 1 million role models around the globe to lead a functionality, emphasis and fun, functionality, fit life through education, encouragement, and community. He is an award-winning digital thought leader and author, distinguished Toastmaster and keynote speaker, former partner and chief operating officer of a multi-million dollar retail company, and a sought after lifestyle mentor and executive performance coach. This conversation today will have you thinking about the possibilities of being a full-time traveler with your family. Yes, traveling is not just for young and single people anymore. What does it mean to be a great man? And how the fear of not changing can be the catalyst for figuring out how to change. Thank you so much for listening to my announcements. Now, please enjoy this conversation with Dai Manuel. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Generic Conversations, where I'm very fortunate to have candid conversations with amazing individuals that I hope you'll end up saying I needed this. I'm Jenna Amos, your host, and I'm really excited for today. Today's conversation is with Dai Manuel. Dai, welcome to the show. Hello, Jen. I'm pretty stoked. I got to admit, you know, after uh, checking out your platform and what you're doing out there, I was like, whoa, this is really cool to be a part of. And so I'm, I'm really honored to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for wanting to be involved in the initial interviews of this season. I know for me, I love getting involved with new things, but I know that some people tend to be like, be a little skeptical of it at first, kind of like, oh, what is it going to turn into? I'm going to wait and see how it turns out. And so I just want to commend you and thank you for being part of this new show with me. Well, thank you. And, you know, honestly, I made a decision a long time ago because there's been some amazing people in my life that had they not taken my hand when I extended it and asked for help, my life would be very different today. And so I decided a long time ago, at any time, if there's an opportunity to help somebody or be part of something that impacts other people, I'm just always going to say yes. You know, mm-hmm. So what you're doing is extremely powerful and impactful and you're shifting people, shifting lives, You know, not only locally, but globally. And hey, of course I want to be here. So uh, I'm honored and I'm really excited for this conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything you just said. I like to do this because on my other shows, I have the fortune of focusing on niche markets, but Mm -hmm. I decided with the shows, like, hey, I want to expand because I know that everyone needs some kind of life lesson or epiphany or breakthrough. And, you know, what better way than to interview people from all over the world? And I feel like I have to give it to Canada. I feel like I've been getting a lot of people from Canada. I mean, I was kind of joking with you offline that you guys love to talk. (laughs) We do at times, you know, when you get us going, sometimes we just don't shut up and, but Hey, it's okay. It's okay. That's what the mute button's for. So yeah, you know, we do enjoy to gab every once in a while. So yeah, let's, let's gab. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So my only reference to like the Canadian culture is what I've seen on how I met your mother. And, (laughs) and I've heard that Canadians are really friendly. And I know that when I visited uh, Toronto, because I found out recently that I have a relative there, that people were really friendly. And so do you feel like you can attest to that? Like Canadians are really friendly? (laughs) Well, I'm a big believer that everybody's friendly. Like no matter where I've gone, especially with the travels that we've been doing in the last five years, we've always just seemed to attract 
great people. You know, mm. it's probably because we're putting out that vibe and, you know, it's that, uh, we'll call it magnetism. You know, we tend to attract things that are like us and, and if you put out that energy, mm. you, you often get that energy back. And I got to attest that in Canada, yeah, there are cliches or some of the stereotypes that are attached to our culture as a, you know, as a country. There are some hard truths there, you know, and we mm-hmm. do tend to apologize for everything. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. But, uh, I, you know, on top of that, we do enjoy welcoming people to our country. And I think that is very apparent when you go and visit any of our major cities. There's really no dominant culture. It's a marriage of all these different cultures coming together. Like Vancouver, we have a very dense East Indian population, an Asian population, Persian population. Mm-hmm. You know, we got all these different people uh, coming together to live together in a city. So it's very, very cosmopolitan and I love it. But because of that, you learn patience, right? You learn mm. acceptance because everyone's sort of adopting bits of each other's culture to making this one unique culture. And of course, there's always those liars. There's people that maybe aren't as welcoming and that's just the way it is. You know, even in Canada, I'm not going to say everybody's nice because right, right. it's not true. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. You know, and you know, I'm not trying to treat you as like the Canadian ambassador, you know, because yeah. I know that <laughs> I know that when people look at me and they know that I'm Filipino, like it's almost as if they're asking me questions as if I know the entire history right. of my motherland. Right. And yeah. so I'm not trying to put that on you. It's more yeah. so me just curious about, you know, your perception and yes, your perspective sure. of those stereotypes. And I mean, I think that in a way that's good to have that. Like, I can't think of any negative stereotypes I've heard about being Canadian. But if there is something that people don't know about Canadians or that that Mm -hmm. they should know, what do you think they should know that they don't know? (laughs) Well, we have provinces, not states. And, you know, you would think most people know that, but I still meet people. And, you know, they'll often reference like, well, who's your president? Or, you know, just comments like that. Like, our government's very different and it operates very different than, say, an American government. And I think we know that based on how our leaders seem to love each other. But uh, it it just is what it is. And But I think the one thing that people don't realize is when they look at us on a map, they think, wow, that is a massive country. Mm -hmm. But we only have just over 40 million people in this big geographical space. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we're very much densely populated in some major cities, and then it's really sprawled out, filling in. So lots of rural, Mm -hmm. smaller towns. and, And so I think a lot of people just expect us to have a lot more population, but we just, we don't, we just got a lot of space, but not a huge population. Like I joke with people, like, look at the size of California as a state, look at the size of Canada, the populations are the same. Like, mm. pretty amazing, isn't it? You know, when yeah. you really think of it. So, and we were just talking about this offline, but you know, Canada is cold. <laughs> and I think about yeah. the reason why I think it's a good comparison of, you know, the population is almost the same as California. And mm. obviously I can relate to that because I'm from California. Yes. And I feel like that makes sense because California, the weather there is basically perfect. And it's the reason why a lot of people move there, want to live there or have a bunch of roommates to pay for rent because it's so yeah. expensive to live there. Right. Uh, but yeah, it is very populated because of the weather. And so I'm wondering if it's because of the weather in Canada <laughs> as to why the population matches that of California. California? Well, you know, I I don't know the exact answer to that, but I do know that our population doesn't seem to be growing that Mm -hmm. very quickly, you know, where the American history, you look at just the populations over the years, it's amazing how quickly it just grew. Mm -hmm. And, but it was that place that everybody wanted to go. Not as many people wanted to go to Canada, you know, and uh, (laughs) that's okay. Maybe it was the cold that was keeping them away. I don't know. But there's a reason why I live in Vancouver, because Mm -hmm. if I want snow, I drive to Whistler, you know, Mm. but Vancouver's climate is 
almost identical to Seattle. Like they're very, very similar. Mm. So it can be very rainy, but we rarely get below freezing, which is nice. So it can be cold rain, but at least it's not freezing rain. It's not snow. I like having that aspect, but it's definitely no California. I'll tell you that. Well, Di, thank you for just indulging me and telling me a little bit more about Canada and inspiring me to visit my relative again. Because one thing that we were talking about offline that I had found fascinating when I visited Toronto is just how many different grocery stores Mm. there were of just different ethnic type of grocery stores, you know, and that just reminds me of how you mentioned that, you know, Canada is really this melting pot and something I almost wish that the U.S. would emulate, not to get into politics or anything, but that would be really cool and also make sense why they have that stereotype of really being so friendly because you have to, like you have to be Mm -hmm. a little more patient and understand where people are coming from because you're talking to people from all walks of life from different backgrounds. Absolutely. And it's interesting, but you know, I know it was passed on from my parents, you know, they're just, they're kind, they're nice. You know, the way we treat others is how we want to be treated back, right? But you got to make the effort to put it out there first. And so just living like that has been a, wow, some people say you can be taken advantage of, but I'm like, you know what? I don't think most people take advantage of other people, you know, like I think I like to believe most of us, if not all of us have kindness within us and Mm. it is a, you know, just doing the right thing. I think we have that barometer inside of each of us and I like to believe in the best of everyone. So uh, cultures aside and, and you know, nationalities aside, yeah, we're all human beings at the end of the day. You know what I mean? So, yes, absolutely. And that's really the heart of what I'm trying to do here at Generic Conversations is just showing people that you can have a conversation with anyone and you can come to find that there's a lot of similarities more than you realize than looking at the surface and judging people for face value. So thank you for indulging in this topic Ah, with me. I love it. I love (laughs) it. I, I haven't had a conversation like this actually. Well, about Canadiana, if you will, like about Canada. So mm. it was actually kind of nice. I like that. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you don't feel like I'm like, I don't know, just trying to observe you like, you know, like no a, an ambiguous person. Because I, I feel no. like as as someone like who is a Filipino American, I get that a lot. Mm. And I feel like I'm doing mm. that to you. <laughs> no <laughs> But way. I'm glad yeah, that you're funny. indulging yeah. in it anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, this is fun. This is fun. Yeah. No problem. No, no questions uh, off limits. So uh, <laughs> any Canadian questions you want to know? I was just relieved that you didn't say that your first impression of Canada was because of South Park, you know, like, cause if I heard that, that, that I don't oh. know if you've ever watched South Park, but the little adopted brother, uh-huh. he, he's the Canadian. Remember the flip top heads? So oh, uh, I, yeah. I don't watch South Park, so okay. you're good. <laughs> I grew up watching it and I had some friends that were pretty funny, um, but uh, they would always bring it up, you know, like, oh, that's, that's Canada, you know, anyways, there, there's references all abound. And uh, I was just very impressed that uh, you went a different route. So yeah, (laughs) well, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I watched How I Met Your Mother because it gave me a good impression. (laughs) It's a good first impression. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, Dive, I'm already Mm. having a a pleasant conversation with you. But yeah, for people that are getting to know you for the first time, why don't you give us a snapshot of your life today, particularly what keeps you excited or busy nowadays? Yeah. Yeah. Like anyone, you know, life's a, a wonderful journey and it brings us to many cool places and sometimes places we, we'd rather not be in, but you got to <laughs> go there to figure that out. And I am now 43 and mm-hmm. which I'm absolutely amazed at every single day. I'm like, I can't believe I'm in my forties. This is crazy. What happened to the time? Mm. You know? And I'm constantly reminded how quickly time's flying. Cause I'm a, also a father of two teenage mm. girls. Mm. They're now 15 and 17. And I'm just amazed that I have two 
little people now that I've been responsible for. But every day, like they're growing. My eldest daughter just got her first job, you know, and I'm like, what? You're, you're working now? This is crazy. <laughs> you're like a person. And, and so that's also been a lot of fun and a big part of my journey. And I've been dating my wife now for 20 years, which is wow. absolutely amazing as well. We've had lots of amazing ups, but we've also had a lot of struggles. Some of them, well, most of them were because of me and some of my choices. And we'll probably get into that a little bit later. But, <laughs> you know, things are great. And we, we've just returned back to Vancouver after traveling for, for almost five years. Mm. A good chunk of it was spent traveling all over North America, United States and Canada predominantly. And then we transitioned to overseas and we had big ambitions of traveling all over Southeast Asia. But we went to Bali first and we got stuck there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, <laughs> we were in Bali for, I was there for two and a half years and my family was there for two years. There's a transitionary period where I was going back and forth and they were back in Vancouver getting our life set up again here. So yeah. And what keeps me excited or what am I excited about? There's a number of passion projects I have, one of which is working with men and running men's groups. Mm -hmm. um, great opportunities, creating a space really where men can come together and not have fear of judgment. You know, mm. they can be vulnerable, they can share, be honest, transparent, and not feel afraid that the guy sitting across the table is going to turn around and use that against you, you know? Mm. And I say this because there's a, some underlying cliches there and, and some stereotypes as it relates to men and how we should be and how should we live and how to interact with people. So we're looking at breaking those down and creating a space that we can do that in. You know, the underlying theme is what does it mean to be a great man? And mm. we have weekly discussion around that. We meet online. Mondays. It's called Mentorship Mondays, capital mm. N, of course. Nice, nice. And some of the other stuff I do, I do some B2B consulting stuff, helping businesses scale, especially with creative marketing and storytelling online. And and then I do a lot of consumer type stuff where I've been coaching people in well-being for almost 25 years. So fitness, nutrition, mindset, lots of good stuff. But basically people come to me and they're like, you know, my life's good, mm -hmm. but I know it could be great mm. and I need some help to get there. And that's where I help. And so that's me in a nutshell, you know, in three minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, Di, thank you so much for sharing. First of all, I just want to commend you for your 20-year marriage with your Thanks. wife. Yeah. That is a success story in itself. <laughs> I'm sure anyone, you know, divorce is such a thing nowadays. It's so popular, if, if anything. But I, I just commend you for uh, having been with your wife for so long. And obviously, that's not to say that it came with its challenges, as you had hinted at. But also, I want to point out, at least to me and my observation of you, it sounds like you're a very empathetic, emotionally aware man. And I'm wondering if it has to do with the fact that you're the only man in the house. <laughs> uh, well, I was also raised by my mom, you know, and, you know, she got it all started. My parents separated when I was, I guess I remember nine and wow. divorced a few years after that. But my dad, you know, we'd see him occasionally every other weekend, you know, that was sort of the time. We'd spend a couple nights with him every couple of weeks, but he was building a practice and busy with work and his life and eventually his, his new girlfriend and, you know, mm. just life. And so also as my brother and I getting older, you know, that occasional weekend, if we missed one weekend, well, it meant a month before we see dad again, you know? And mm. so I grew up, I was the oldest, my brother and I, and I grew up a little bit faster, you know, having certain conversations with my mom, especially as she was going through some hard times. And I became a bit of that shoulder to cry on at times, which is, mm -hmm. you know, some people think that's a good situation to be in, especially as a teen and having to, to be put into an emotional position like that. But mm. you know what? It was okay. And it helped me who I am today. So there's no ill feelings there. My mom and I have a great relationship, but I'm grateful for everything that she's instilled in me. So it definitely helped, you know, later on, especially having daughters. It was like it was meant to be, you know. 
Yeah, definitely. Since growing up, you had that type of, since your parents modeled, you know, living separately for you, I imagine you had to really do a lot of inner work or maybe Mm. therapy to sustain a marriage. I mean, the fact that, you know, you grew up with divorced parents and yet here you are in a 20 year marriage, there must've been something there where you're like, I'm going to make this work. Yeah. So there's some backstory here and, and, and I have to be honest, like this internal work that you reference and we, you know, anybody that's sort of in that sort of personal slash professional development space, if you've ever mm-hmm. done any sort of very specific work to improve yourself or your abilities to advance career, but or also advance this in life. I was very surface with mm-hmm. that kind of work. You know, I, I like professional development because there was a very tangible result. And I could gauge my success based on the results, you know? Mm. So it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, is, am I making more money this year than I made last year? Okay, clearly I'm, I'm developing right. myself professionally. On the personal side, though, I was very outwardly focused. So more, you know, appearance-based and, and for a reason is, uh, you know, at age nine, going through that sort of traumatic event, my mom was also working full-time to support my brother and I. My dad was very supportive as well, financially, but my mom had to work. And so it left a lot of time for my brother and I by ourselves. And I got into a a routine of just playing a lot of video games, Mm. eating a lot of foods that were not nutrition rich. Let's just put Mm. it that way. You know, you've heard the term empty calories. I I was very much filling myself with lots of empty calories (laughs) to the point of after five years from the age of nine to 14, my weight ballooned. I, I got to a point where the doctor pulled my mom aside, a routine checkup and said, Betty Ann, your son died. Wow. He's morbidly obese. And I just remember hearing that from inside the room and they were out in the hall and thinking, what does that mean? I don't even know what that means, but it can't, mm-hmm. doesn't sound good, you know, because morbid itself, like I just think, oh, morbid, that's, that's not a good word, <laughs> you know? Right. And, so coming to that realization that I was in this state of unhealth and I was depressed, I was withdrawn, all these cliches and stereotypes that come along with someone in that state of unhealth, I, I was living it. You know, mm-hmm. it was just life. And I went through a, a change. I got very depressed and I had suicidal thoughts and mm. a lot of other ill thoughts, but I got to a point where I was more afraid of the idea of living my life and not changing than I was of the fear of actually trying to figure out how to do something different. Wow. So just just to sort of say that one more time, just so everybody can take this down, because I think when you understand this, you'll probably realize any big changes or transformations you experience in life, this is probably what it boiled down to. It's I had a realization that you know I was less afraid of changing my life than I was of staying as I was. You know, like it just that was it, and made some changes. Took twenty months. But I only focused on my external, right? It was all about the appearances, about performance. I didn't know internal work. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of emotion stuff there that based on going through that stuff with my family and, you know, with being raised by my mom and just everything else, dealing with the, my state of unhealth and the ridicule and the bullying. And I had a lot of emotional baggage. And I, yeah. I compartmentalized that, put it away and just focused on fitness, getting healthy, getting fit, learning about nutrition, fitness, you know, just really trying to turn into something different. And I carried that with me into my 20s. And all the way through my 20s, I had this little boy that still believed he was not good enough. and <laughs> Nobody mm-hmm. wanted him. And holy crap, got into my 30s and I hit a tipping point where because in my 20s, I figured out a way to deal with my anxiety and my stress. And it was alcohol. I just, mm. and it was like an everyday thing, you know, like, oh man, I, uh, 
it's the end of the day. I had a great day at work. Awesome. I'm doing great. My company's growing like stink. It's like, life's good. You know, I've got the two yeah. kids, like my wife, I got this, I got that. Life's good. I'm successful. But I'm stressed out a bit today. You know, I worked hard. I deserve a drink. Mm. And mm-hmm. I got into this habit. You know, where it was like, there's a cue or a trigger and it was usually stress, anxiety, feeling down on myself. Oh, it's okay. The habit now is alcohol. And the result of that alcohol makes me feel better temporarily. You know, I can forget about my problems. I can escape for a Mm -hmm. moment. And you compound that over time, over years after years after years. It also led to a lot of other things that I did that I'm not proud of. And Mm. it got to a point where my wife was prepared to leave me and take my kids away. You know, and this was just over 10 years ago. Yeah. And so sort of that halfway point on this 20 year journey, we'll say, but it took a while to get to that point. It was about three years of me continuously messing up, mm. like really just messing up. But my wife saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, you know, and, uh, and she was there and she supported me and really, she was challenging me to, to evolve into who she saw that I could be. And, mm-hmm. uh, she asked me one day, And this question where she just sat me down and she had just finished telling me she's taking the kids away. This is not an environment that's good for them. You're here, but you're not present. And, you know, Mm. tears were shared on both sides and fear overcame me again, you know, sort of like reminded me when I was that obese kid looking in the mirror one day and getting depressed and thinking about killing myself. Mm. That same sort of feeling again now was coming back. And she just said, Ty, are you being the type of man that you would want to marry your daughters? Wow. Oh. Jen, like, can you imagine that kind of question? Uh, like, that just, wow. Yeah. And it was a while. It was like, I got punched in the nose and kicked between the legs at the same time. You know, like it was just, whoa. But my perspective in that exact moment when she asked that question, for some reason, everything just shifted. And I was like, I am not being that guy. And if a guy like me showed up wanting to date my daughters or even one day marry them, and they're like me right now mm. as who I am, no way he's getting across the threshold, you know, and uh, let alone getting their phone number or talking to him. Like they're not in the family. Yeah. But that's who I was. That's who I was modeling to my own daughters saying that this is what a relationship should look like. Mm. It was at that moment I made a commitment to stop drinking. And I said, and my commitment was only one year. It's like, I'm going to stop drinking for a year. I'm going to get some support. I'm going to work through this. You know, like I want to change for me made a commitment to my family. And then after that year, you know, after having this amazing year of growth, of working on the internal mechanisms of what made me who I was and what was holding me back, I got through that year and I was like, I don't want to drink. I just Mm. have no desire. I don't need it. I don't need that crutch in my life anymore. I can walk fine. And and became a lifestyle. So, you know, it's been over 10 years and things have just gotten better and better and better. But when you really free up that kind of mental space, you know, you get rid of the thing that's really holding us back. I mean, everybody I speak to at some point in time, there's usually one thing that, do you know who Les Brown is? Have you heard of Les Brown? Uh, I, I've seen that name in quotes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. He, well, he's an amazing speaker. You know, he, he's mm-hmm. an author, a speaker. He's very inspirational. Uh, just a remarkable man. I remember seeing him speak. It must have been almost 20 years ago at a professional development type seminar, you know, one of those big weekend hurrahs. And he was one of the speakers and he shared this story. And I'll just paraphrase because I think you'll like this. And I think the people are listening to this. It just puts things into perspective a bit. Yeah. There's this old man sitting on the porch of this old home in the middle of this neighborhood. And a young man moves to the neighborhood. He's walking by this old man's house every day to go to work. And he notices out on this old porch, there's this old man in an old rocking chair. And beside him is this old, old dog. 
Hmm. And the dog sits beside the old man from basically from the time they get up in the morning till the time they go to sleep at night. They're out there on that porch just watching the world go by. Hmm. But the interesting thing is the old man's rocking and the old dog is moaning and groaning and whining and crying, like oh, making wow. all this weird noise. Mm-hmm. Eventually, this young guy gets the, the, the idea that I can't deal with this. There's something wrong with this dog. I got to go talk to this guy. So he goes up. He confronts the old man. says, hey, excuse me, sir. I've just moved to the neighborhood. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing just fine, sonny. How are you? You know, <laughs> well, I'm doing okay. I keep walking by your place and all I can hear is your dog crying. <laughs> is it your dog okay? The old man looks at him, looks at the dog, looks back to the man, looks to the dog, looks to the man and says, well, yeah, <laughs> he's okay. Well, why is he crying? Well, he's just sitting on a nail. <laughs> the young guy starts wow. scratching his head. He's like, what, sitting on a nail? Why doesn't he just get up and get off the nail? The old man looks at him and he says, well, it just doesn't hurt bad enough. Mm. Just doesn't hurt bad enough. And, and when you really think about this, and this is what I love about the story, Jen, is like how many of us mm. have certain things in our lives that is bugging us, that creates a little bit of discomfort. Maybe it started as a pain, something that we absolutely detested about ourselves that we wanted to change. But over time, we start to get used to it. Yeah. We start to put up with it. And it becomes this nail in our side. And it's there. We know if we take it out, things could be better, but we've just learned to tolerate it. Yeah. (laughs) And so we accept it. If you think about all the big changes in our life, it's often involving removing that nail, whatever it is for us. And for me, alcohol was a nail. And when I removed that nail, I realized, okay, I can start to heal a bit here, but I have to now learn how to function in this new normal. And Mm. I have to figure out what is that? Because before the nail was a big excuse why I couldn't do certain things, you know, Mm -hmm. why I'm might not be present for my kids one day. Well, I had a big night last night. You know, daddy's a little bit hungover today. I wouldn't say Mm -hmm. that, but that's what I'm thinking, right? Right, right. So it was easy to start to make excuses to justify my actions. And anyways, I go off on these massive tangents. As you know, the Canadians like to talk. Uh, So (laughs) that is just this idea about the nail. And then eventually it just led into a decade of me just focusing on developing myself personally. So I could be the Uh. best dad. I could be the best husband. I could be the best community leader and friend and supporter and mentor, like you name it. I just, I'm like, I want to level up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Di, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And even that story about the dog uh, sitting on the nail. I think we all have that. I mean, we all have a nail that Mm -hmm. has kind of become normal to feel. And it's only until you're sick of it that you want to make a change. And that story reminds me of when I first moved out here to the East Coast from California to Virginia. For a while, I was okay not having friends because Mm -hmm. we moved out here for my husband and his business. And I would just kind of do anything and everything to cope with not having a social life. I'd journal a lot. I would I don't actually, man, I don't, it's like, it's, that was already like almost two years ago. So I don't remember exactly what I did, but I found a lot of coping mechanisms. Yes. Actually, one of the main coping mechanisms for me was podcasting. So I started Ooh. podcasting because I was so lonely and because like we moved twice in the last two years. And prior to that, we've collectively, like even before we met, like moved like 
10 plus times. So, you know, we don't know how to sit still. (laughs) But problem with that is, you know, not being able to grow those roots and build those types of relationships. And I was a a little paranoid about making friends locally because I thought, oh, what if I move again? Mm. Well, anyway, late of last year, like it was really affecting me to the point where I had like anxiety and I was really depressed and And I didn't know how to communicate that with my husband because to me, I felt like if I were to incorporate a social life in my life, that would mean that I'd be taken away from what we're doing together as, you know, as business owners and whatever we have going on. Because he's, um, for lack of a better term, he's very needy for my time. (laughs) 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 I say that with a ton of love, but, you know, we do everything together. So a little background on us, you know, we do everything together. We have a dog with separation anxiety. So there's like no way, like it's just difficult. And I came up with all these excuses as to why I couldn't make friends locally. And we only Mm. had like one car. But I eventually got sick of it. I was like, I can't live this way anymore. Like, I need to go out. I need to see faces. Like, I need to feel like I have friends I can count on locally. And, you know, the first half of this year was really difficult for us to have that conversation because, Mm -hmm. at least in my mind, I was telling myself that, oh, if I leave the house, I'm insulting him or I'm making Mm -hmm. him feel like he's not good enough. And that was all the stories I had told myself. But, you know, fortunately, with a lot of help and therapy and all that, like, it's been something that we've been able to work through and continue to work through. But I just think to myself, like, where would I be? What kind of, what other outlets would I have gotten or have used to cope with that loneliness? And I know it's not to the level of alcoholism, but to me, I definitely was getting to that place where I felt like I didn't matter. I felt like I was disappearing. I had very serious suicidal thoughts that fortunately I was never, I was always afraid of hurting myself. So I never really went that far, but I would, (laughs) you know, get, I would get as close to some kind of self-harm. I I mean, Mm. just to disclose everyone, like I I never like made myself bleed, but even just the thought and and brainstorming, like, okay, what can I do to like, Mm. you know, feel this pain, you know, and and that just that weird thought process of like, I'm going to hurt myself because then I don't have to hurt anyone else. And like, it's, I take it on me, you know? And so anyway, that's what your story reminded me of is just kind of the struggle I had just getting established out here and making that social life. And I'm just so glad that I found it in myself to have these hard conversations Mm -hmm. with my husband so that I wouldn't have to resort to something else. And I'm just super grateful of how it hasn't been easy, but like looking back, he has been supportive to say the least in my, you know, decisions to, you know, use the car at night, you know, and like, and be out for a couple hours, you know, so that's what your story reminded me of. Well, thank you for sharing your story. That's powerful. But it's also amazing to see how the communication between the two of you has allowed you to really have even clearer understanding of how you can best support each other, you know, and I, I have to commend you on that because it's it's not an easy thing to to broach mm-hmm. for one. But I remember uh, my wife and I. We there's been a few books that have been really instrumental in helping us as a relationship as as a couple. I should say helping our relationship. Um, one is uh, the Five Love Languages. Yes, that's a powerful <laughs> yeah. book. Yes. Yeah, it's a great one. And there's another one by uh, called Conscious Loving. Hmm. And it's written by Gay Hendricks and his wife, and I forget her name, but Gay Hendricks is known because he wrote a book called The Big Leap. And if you've ever heard the term zone of genius, you know, like, what's your zone of genius, you know? And anyways, there's certain things that have been pulled out of that book that's often quoted in in certain professional development type communities. And that's Gay Hendricks. But it's an amazing book because it's really all about having this full awareness that we can be actively helping our significant other in living Mm -hmm. their best life and achieving whatever it is they need to achieve to constantly evolve. 
but both people recognizing that your past may not always be in sync. One may be off going, doing something. And I'm, you know, it's like my wife, Chrissy, like I'm going to fully support anything she wants to do. And sometimes that might mean her leaving for a bit. It might involve her taking certain courses and it will involve time apart. Yeah. But that's what she wants to do. And I love her for it. And I want to fully support her in that journey. And I'll tell you, 10 years ago, I I would have been a very jealous person. I would have been very wanting of her. I would not want her to go out because there'd be concern or fear she'll meet somebody else. And just all these little stories would form in my head. And, you know, so it, it was a very good book at helping us recognize that because it really talks a lot about just our tendencies to hold each other back, you know, wow. as we come in relationship, we want to hold, we're worried about the other person growing and evolving because it's like, they're going to evolve beyond me. They're not going to mm-hmm. want me anymore. You know, there's lots of concerns there. And, and so that was stuff that I personally struggled with. And I found it was a great resource to help with that. So that's conscious loving. So I recommend that to people that are, if you're in a relationship and you're just like, you want to level it up and make it better. It is definitely a book that can help with that. Oh, for sure. I feel like I need to add that on my Audible wish list. <laughs> <for> <laughs> that's next where I month. got it too. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah I like getting things read to me now. I guess that's just the podcaster life. It's like you yeah. want everything Audible. <laughs> totally. I love it though. You know, like audiobooks, like I used to read it for a bit, but I can consume way more content now in that format, you know, like exactly. whether video or audio. So yeah, I can understand why you're attracted to that too, because you're also a content generator. And I mean, to sit down and type all this type of stuff, imagine how long yeah, that would take. That'd no. be crazy. That'd be crazy. <laughs> no, Who's got that time? <laughs> yeah. For anyone that wants a tip on content creating, one thing yeah. that my husband loves to do is he just does conversations like this and then he gets it transcribed. And yes. then we have our editor turn it into something like turn it awesome. into an article. And so, you know, there's a lot of ways to produce content, yes. but yeah, sitting there and like typing, I like that depends on kind of the mental space that I'm in. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I feel like podcasting is just my, or at least like learning things audibly is my form. You know, that's how I, I like to it. consume my content. So cool. Well, it's funny that you say that about the transcription. That's literally how I wrote my first book was the editor interviewed me and I would, you know, it was like, we knew there was a theme for each chapter and mm. he would interview me for like an hour, hour and a half. And then I would go get it transcribed and, and then, you know, and have that to work with, with my editor. So it was, uh, it saved so much time because man, life was very busy at the time when I was writing that. And uh, I, there's no way I could have got it done. Like it just, mm-hmm. there's no way. So uh, I love that your husband's saying that's super cool. Yeah, he's very creative in in that sense, in that capacity. Di, you're so interesting. I, <laughs> you seem so full of wisdom. And, you know, there's more to your story that I, I also want to dive into, which I think it's worth listening to. It's, it's how you quit your career of 17 mm. years without yeah. a plan B. Tell me more. <laughs> I want to hear about this. Why'd you do that? You're a father. Well, you know, yeah, you know, like all the things that people say, right? It's I like, know. why would you do that? So well, I love to hear this. Well, all right. So what was really interesting, Jen, was that I think all of us can relate to this idea is that when we go through something that's quite significant in our lives, and, and it usually involves transformation, it involves change, right? Like mm-hmm. Because change isn't easy. It's a very active, very dynamic uh, state, right? Like it's always just in flux and there's a lot of uncertainty around it, right? And yeah. I went from that morbidly obese teen into a healthy fit teen and really just completely reinvented how I looked, how I felt. And Mm. and it started to work on my mind as well, but I needed to give it way more focus. But I'll be honest, one of the biggest motivators for me, extrinsic motivations for making that shift 
was I sort of alluded to it before, you know, I just wanted to be wanted. Well, bottom line, I wanted a girlfriend, you know, like <laughs> I wanted a, a girl that actually wanted me, you know, but there's obviously some deeper undertones there uh, relating to love and feeling enough. And it wasn't until later on that, you know, working with the therapist and the psychologist and, and a few other individuals and mentors that, you know, I was able to come to grasps that that was the issue. Long and short is I went through that transformation. And all of a sudden, people started to pay attention to me. They believed that I was an expert and authority on, you know, physical transformation. Mm. I could help them get fitter. I could mm -hmm. help them lose weight. And so they would ask me questions, like even friends of my parents, you know, 20 years my senior at least, <laughs> asking me questions, you know. Yeah. But this was something that I had never experienced before, right? Uh, and I loved it. I love being able to help others experience something like I'd experienced. Mm. And so call it coaching, call it mentorship. Either way, I got a bug, you know, I became hooked on that. And that was at 17, almost 18. And then that's what propelled my career as well eventually was this idea of always wanting to help others, especially mm -hmm. in health and well-being, because I just love it. It's so profound what can happen if you can help someone feel better, they start to think a little bit differently. You know, they start to have greater confidence. And when you have greater confidence in yourself, you have greater value in yourself. And and it's amazing how life lives, especially our professional lives can be impacted by these small, subtle shifts. So mm -hmm. I, I dedicated my life to doing that. And then I got into selling equipment, fitness mm -hmm. equipment to help people. And it was my first time doing a commission-based pay. And I was like, whoa. So the more people I help and impact, the more money I make? Are you, what do you mean? What? Huh? <laughs> and I turned out I had a really knack for it. So very quickly, I was deciding whether to go back to school be because I went to school for philosophy and English lit. So there's not a lot of career options. So you think about, right. okay, I could be a teacher, I could be a lawyer. And I, quite frankly, I was making more selling fitness equipment 40 hours a week, you know, and I was like, whoa, this is a good deal. Eventually it got to a point where I became a partner and we went and founded our own company. And did that for 17 years. And I thought, this is it. This is what I'm meant to be doing the rest of my life. Mm. But... 10 years ago, as I hinted at you, I started making some big shifts. I started to see things differently. I started to evolve as I started to do a lot of inner work, you know, yeah. getting clear on what do I really want? What's the kind of man I want to be? How do I want to be remembered when I go on to that next journey? <laughs> you know, yeah. when you start asking yourself these really, you know, personal questions, very subjective, right? You have to focus some attention inward to really think about it. You can't just whip that stuff up. And I started realizing that there were certain things that I had aspirations for. There were certain things I wanted to achieve in my life. And I started to realize the path that I was on at that time was not going to allow me to go to those destinations. Mm. And that is a scary place to be because here I am thinking, this is what I'm meant to be doing. And as, as far as anybody's concerned, you know, like it looked like I had a very successful life. I did. We, we were fine. We were good. Mm -hmm. We were comfortable, you know, and we would have been fine and continue to just be okay. Like there's no drama there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I realized that I didn't want to be that guy 20 years down the road thinking, huh, remember Christy, we talked about that thing about us, you know, maybe going traveling, becoming a full-time family, about you writing a book, about maybe you doing more speaking. Like we had all these dreams and we were like, well, 20 years down the road and if we don't go for them now, will we be regretting that we didn't? Mm. And the answer was yes. Mm. And so that was, a you know, about six and a half years ago. And, and so I'm just building this timeline. So I've been doing those yeah. years of personal development, 
stop drinking, start working on me. My wife's working on her still. We start dreaming. She's dripping on me. She's saying, here's this new podcast. Listen to this family. They've been traveling together for like eight years on the mm. road and they've been wow. living in Asia and they've got digital businesses, da, da, da. And so she kept, but I wasn't of the mindset to accept that. I was like, no, no, no. That means I'd have to leave the life that we have right now. Like, mm. no, no, that's scary. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, but she kept tripping on me. <laughs> kept tripping on me and, good and wife. I mean, she was and and i was listening and i was thinking i was like wow that kind of that would be kind of cool you know that would be a pretty amazing life that would be a wonderful experience i could be with my family full time you know like kids could be with us i mean we only got a small window of time before they think that we're not cool anymore <laughs> like, like you know you start thinking about this stuff yeah. and so then i got there and i made a commitment to the ceo my partner at the time you know i was like so this is the direction I think I want to go, you know, and mm. we had an 18 month transition, you know, cause obviously I was like COO, CMO, you know, very senior positions. We had a you know, big company and you know, over hundred people reporting to us and it wasn't a small move, but it was a move I wanted to make. And yeah. so then it came five years ago. I, it was my last day and had no idea what we were going to do, but the plan was I'll quit my job. A month later, my qu- wife quit hers. Yeah. <laughs> Two months after that, we pulled the kids out of school. We gave away all of our stuff. That next month, my book was released and we went traveling. And so we filled wow. up the SUV and whatever couldn't fit in there, we were basically said, well, we'll just leave it. It's gone. It's not part of our life now. We became minimalists and wow. we started traveling. And that's sort of what got that part of the journey going. So the transition from that 17-year career into this lifestyle that we have now, it wasn't something that happened just on a whim. Like there was a process, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of contemplation, of reflection, of pondering. But we got to a point, we said, you know what, what is the worst that can happen if we go for this? Mm. And the worst thing that could happen was, okay, the car could break down somewhere and we have to fix it, whatever. The worst thing really was, was we had a lot of money. We don't figure out the plan B, which was, well, we got to just figure out a way to make money online and support mm. this lifestyle so we can continue it. And if we run out of money, well, we just go back. I'm employable. You're employable. <laughs> we, we have family in Canada. We can live in basements right. for a little while. Like right. it's not a big deal, right? Mm, beautiful. And so, you know, Tim Ferriss talks about it. He calls it fear setting. You know, his TED talk, he goes into this process of doing this sort of a Socratic approach to trying to be logical about our fears, right? Mm. And I'll tell you, that's so hard to do. It's like this bull. Like, I don't know. I don't know enough people that can just maintain no emotions when they're talking about things that involves their life, you know? But we did. We just said, okay, let's go for it. And we just been figuring it out as we go. You know, Di, I just think your story is so inspiring because, <laughs> you know, I think it's interesting because, you know, even a single person, someone that is single doesn't have kids. I mean, and when you're younger, it's more likely to you'd want to travel and stuff and take chances. But there are still plenty of people out there who don't have a family like you that they justify their fears as to why they shouldn't travel, why they shouldn't quit their job, you know, why they shouldn't start a business. And I just love that this was a family decision. I mean, Mm -hmm. kudos to your wife. She sounds amazing. (laughs) It was all her tinge of gin. You know, she's a fiery redhead and uh, she definitely wears her heart on her sleeve, which, you know, is both positive and negative at times. But and she is the biggest motivator of people. It's a bit contagious. You meet her, she'll become a cheerleader for you. 
and you'll believe you'll leave a conversation and be like, I can do anything. You know? <laughs> and it's like, it is a little bit much at times, but I love her to death. Yeah. It's really inspiring. And just reminding yourself like to look at your fears logically and yeah. just knowing what resources you do have should, you know, anything bad happen, but rather than to be so fixated on the fears and the obstacles mm-hmm. to focus on the possibilities. And it just sounds like I'm just an admiration of, you know, you and your family and what you've accomplished in, in these recent, in the last handful of years. And also just how you have lived so many different lifetimes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, Already it also makes point. me feel old. I'm like, man, I'm only 43, <laughs> but I, I feel like I've lived a lot of lifetimes, but it's really interesting. I, I, I didn't really do a lot of real living until the last five years. Like, wow. and that's what I like people to realize. Like when you make that shift and you start living into that and doing things that are in alignment with, with that drive, you know, that desire, I, I, I call it our passion, our purpose, you know, when mm-hmm. that aligns, and once you figure out a process that you can sort of just dive into, it's amazing how quickly things can actually happen. And it happens fast. And a lot of times it felt like drinking a little bit from a fire hose, you know? It was just like, whoa, this is all this is crazy. We have too many choices and things that we could potentially do. But it was again trying to stay fixated on that one thing, which was we wanted to be a full-time family. We wanted to have location independence. You know, yeah. like that was really the underlying theme that we wanted to maintain no matter what we did. Mm -hmm. And so around that, it gave us a lot of freedom. It's like, okay, well, does this allow us to maintain that? Can we still all be together? And if we want, can we pick up and move tomorrow? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. and we're not tied to anything. And it was, yes. Okay. Well then this is a good thing. Let's go try it. You know? And so it's fun. I don't want to tell people just, you know, throw it to the wind and just Fast and you know, cross your fingers and be like, okay, here we go. You know, we put some thought into it, but we didn't get hung up on the details, the small minutia. You know, yeah. we, we just focused on the bigger plan and we just put it in motion and we just trusted that you know things are going to work out. And call that a little bit naive, and maybe we were a bit naive because, like I told you, we had no plan B. We yeah. had enough money to travel for about three months. Like that's really all we had. Wow. Because I invested a lot in some other things and that was just the way it was, you know, and, but it worked out. And, you know, five years later, we were still traveling up until, you know, earlier this year. So it worked out okay, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's awesome. I think your story is really inspiring and I'm going to listen to this interview. I mean, I have to, because I have to edit it, but I am going to listen to this again (laughs) to be reminded Uh, that anything's possible. So I want to get into some of the good stuff that you have to share with our listeners here. But before I do, I have one more question for you. Sure, please. Okay. So Di, do you feel like you are the man that you wanted to be today? I guess there's aspects for sure, you know, but I guess, you know, from a contextual standpoint or a timeline standpoint, like in reference to what, right? Like, am I today who I envisioned myself to be, say 10 years ago, if I was thinking about who I wanted to be, I think I'm beyond where I would have been able to even imagine myself being 10 years Mm -hmm. ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, because of the work I've done, my vision has expanded. I feel like I can see further down the line or of potential. Yeah. I definitely feel I'm, I'm evolving by the day and there's still things that make me very uncomfortable and I have to question that. Like most recently, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Yes, yes. As I started to talk to some of my other friends, obviously of different ethnicities and just having conversations around this, I realized, you know, this term white privilege, I, I had to look it up and find out, well, what is it? And then BuzzFeed puts out this like hundred question <laughs> quiz thing and, and it gives you a score. And, and so of course we went down those lines and, and I was like, wow, I just, I never really had perspective, which is, mm. I guess in itself, 
from what I understand from some of my friends, it's like, well, that is white privilege. You just don't even know what you got, you know, like you just wow. take it all for granted. And this conversation, this sort of global conversation that's been happening as of late with these movements, it's made me realize that there's certain aspects of my life that I've never really challenged. I've, they've never yeah. felt challenged. And my, my daughter, you know, 17, she's quite the activist at 17. I'm just, I'm like, I don't know where she gets it all from because I'm like, wow, this is just awesome. But, you know, she was the one firing question and stuff at my wife and I just about this whole thing. When George Floyd was murdered, like my yeah. daughter was on social right away. Like it just an activist, like just mm. like, this is not right. And just, you know, the rally happened in Vancouver and they, it was like organized like a day before. And she's like, I really want to go to this. And so I went with her and it was just like, but she's pushing that conversation in our household. It makes me so proud wow. of the younger generation because I think they're so much more connected and so much more aware of these big social issues than some of us adults are. Yeah. And I was just so proud, but also she's made me realize there's a lot of things in my life I still, I need to work through. And if it makes me feel uncomfortable, I definitely need to work on it, you know, because there's a reason I feel uncomfortable. It's, it's outside of my comfort zone because it's something that challenges something that I believe. And I got to ask myself why. And so am I, sorry, this is a long winded answer to your question. And am I that man that I would envision myself being? I like to believe that I'm getting there mm. and I'm proud of who I am today, but I also recognize I've got a lot of things I still got to involve, you know? Di, I think that's why I have enjoyed talking to you so far is because you're so humble. I mean, you're so accomplished and yet you still choose to learn. You still choose to, you know, kind of push yourself out of your own comfort zone and really, you know, I have to give it to your daughter for getting you to think more and beyond and to stretch you in that way. But I mean, fundamentally, you're always growing, you're always expanding, mm. you're always learning. And I really commend you for that. And I imagine that your daughters are really happy to have you as their father, mm. because you just seem very transparent and open and candid and willing to learn. And, you know, you, you don't come by that very often. So, so even I'm, I feel like I'm stumbling to find the words because I'm just no. like, wow, like die is pretty thank awesome. Ah. <laughs> well, I, I thank you for that. And uh, listen, I don't take that for granted, uh, those words that you've just shared. And I really do appreciate that. It, well, it definitely makes me feel good. And so thank you. But uh, I do recognize that, you know, that big reason why I've been on this journey is because of my three ladies, you know, like they yeah. really do pushed my comfort zone for sure. And, you know, it was something that's really interesting is my wife's always reminding me of it. And it's something that I, I do. I have to admit, you know, be fully transparent. It's like at times, you know, I get heated because mm -hmm. I do get very impassioned by certain things. And mm -hmm. I also have a short fuse when it comes to certain things. And so sometimes I just, I get frustrated and I let my emotions bubble over. But the funny thing is, I don't normally do that with people I just meet. Yeah, And it's made me realize that this is one of the things I'm really trying to work on. I've been spending the last few years working on is this creating space to allow myself not to be so reactive. And mm. And, it, and it's funny because, you know, they start to notice it, but still, sometimes my family doesn't get the best version of me, you know, right, and it, right. it makes me wonder, like, I'm like, why, you know? And so we play a game every once in a while. We're like, I'm going to pretend we all have our close, close friends. You know, you have your best friend. And if you try to envision your husband as an example, Jen, mm -hmm. is you pretend that when you're getting into one of those kind of conversations and, you know, sometimes they can go that direction where you get heated and it just, you know, <laughs> it, go, it elevates, it escalates, yeah. right? And you're having this conversation, but you're going to treat him as you would treat your best friend. Mm. You know, so you try to frame it. So like every interaction, however, I'm going to position this, however, whatever I'm going to say in this next conversation, I'm going to pretend like I'm talking to my best friend. 
And it shifts how we relate, you know, and it's not easy to maintain because we have certain levels of comfort with those people that we are closest to. But my wife reminds me, she's like, you know, the way you acted last night, you know, around the family, lost your temper on that. That's not cool. You know, would you do that if your buddy Kay was here? And I was like, well, no, I wouldn't have. And that's when I'm really, you know, I'm sheepish. I'm like, oh, damn it. She's right again. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, it sucks, you know, but it's just one of those things. And and so I like to put that out there to people because it's like, you know, maybe it's a useful exercise for people that are like me that have a bit of a short fuse at times and can be reactionary, you know, that's why I did that. The passion of meditation a number of years ago, you know, was like I needed to learn how to just slow down and be present, fully present in the moment. So it was a 10 day silent retreat that I needed to do to do that, you know, to figure it out. So, oh my goodness. Anyways, you know, stories. Oh, no, tons of stories. And we could definitely talk forever. Another thing I wanted to add in what you were sharing is it's just going back to how you kind of look at the world with curiosity. And when people bring things up to your attention, such as white privilege, like Mm -hmm. rather than you Mm -hmm. say, I don't have that, you actually leaned into it and took the time to learn about it. So I think more people should do that, Di. It's funny because I didn't know I was a millennial until someone called me a millennial like years ago. And I was like, what's it like? I remember this lady. She's like, oh, you're such a millennial. And I was like, what? I was like, what is that? And so I remember I read into it. I looked into the research. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. I get it. Like, yes, I was born in this time frame, but yes, you know, I do have a lot of millennial traits that they describe here. And so I just like that you were curious about that rather than take it offensively. At least what you did was you went out of your way to, you know, to learn more about it. Well, thanks for acknowledging that. My initial reaction, I got to be honest, when I first was sort of presented that, I, I got very defensive. I did. Oh, yeah. I, I just oh, did. I it was like a knee-jerk reaction. I'm just like, no, I'm not. You know, like just, <laughs> I was saying, no, I'm not, just because I was like, just being defensive without even right. knowing what I was defending. And, yeah. and then I realized, I was like, okay, well, do I even know what right, white privilege is? And I was like, well, no, actually I don't. So what am mm. I talking about here? I'm getting so heated over something I don't even understand, you know? Right. And uh, I had no reference, right? And uh, so then when I started looking into it, I was like, oh man, I guess, yeah, okay. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's me. Okay, why is this? Like, why am I like that? You know, and it's, <laughs> it's wild, but I, it makes me wonder, like how much in my life am I already like that? Like, you mm. know, the, what other areas of my life am I not even aware that I have these tendencies that are just like preconditioned programming in me, you know, that I just mm-hmm. not even aware of. And that's a whole nother conversation. So, uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, Di, obviously we can talk forever, but this has to come to end eventually. Yeah. So here we are at the end. I really enjoyed our conversation today and I'm sure that our listeners will want to connect with you and learn more about you. So if they want to do that, how can they find you online? Well, my name's pretty unique. <laughs> Di's a Welsh <laughs> name for David. Manuel is a Portuguese last name. So it's definitely a unique combo. And based on SEO today, uh, you know, this is where I think my parents were visionaries. They knew something was going to happen in the digital space. So they gave me this unique name. And every social media platform I'm on, it's just my name, Diamond Well. Even my own website, diamondwell.com. You know, so I'm easy to get a hold of. I'm most active, though, on Instagram and Facebook. And I always tell people, like, send me a note. Say, hey, how's it going? I heard you on Jen's podcast and just want to say hi. Yeah. Say hi. Like, I will say hi back. I'm an army of one. No one manages my social except (laughs) me. Like, just give me a little bit of grace. If I don't get back to you right away, I yeah. will get back to you. But I just invite people, have a conversation, shoot me a question. I mean, gosh, I'm just a For guy sure. sitting in Vancouver right now with time to talk. <laughs> so uh, let's talk, you know? 
For sure. I think sometimes when, you know, you're on a show like this or you're, you know, kind of propped to be the speaker, people think that you're unattainable. But the reason why we do shows like this is so that people can reach out to us. Like this is a way of saying like, hey, this is who I am. If you resonate with me, connect with me. And so I'm really glad that you are really pressing on that saying, hey, I'm a human being too. I'm dealing with the whole social distancing thing too. Like, you know, if you're looking to someone to talk to, just reach out to me. Yes. I love that, you know, and I agree with you. And I love the fact that you asked me that question because I like to remind people, just just say hello, you know, just say hello. And uh, I love just meeting people. And I always tell people, if you're in Vancouver, you better hit me up, you know, like it's, <laughs> shoot me a note. I, I used to say when we were in Bali and I'd be doing podcasts, I'd be like, hey, listen, we're in Bali. Let me know. I'll buy you a coconut on the beach, you know, like just we're just human beings. And yeah. I find sometimes these random connections, they're sometimes the most fulfilling and enlightening connections we can make. And so I, I welcome them. So uh, uh, anyways, that's all I have to say about that. Beautiful. And one more thing before we go, because I mm -hmm. can't get enough of our conversation, <laughs> is that you actually shared a bunch of free things that we could share on the show. But I wanted to ask you, what is the, I guess, the number one free giveaway that has been very popular from you? Sure. Well, my book's The Whole Life Fitness Manifesto, and it's a book that helps people learn how to leverage time mm. and specifically to create certain physical, emotional, spiritual, and psychological shifts. So we often refer to that as the body, the mind, and the spirit. And so if people can give me 30 minutes a day, so that's only 2% of every 24 hours, it's not very much, 2% of your day, I've got a process that you can adhere to for 28 days and you will see massive shifts. And I know this because I've had thousands of people go through it and experience these shifts, but it's a lifestyle. Mm. It's not like a program that you start and then you stop. It's, it's a lifestyle. But, and people say, well, I only have to ever do 30 minutes. I'm like, no, but it's the minimum you deserve. Okay. Mm. We're talking about 30 minutes of dedicated, non-negotiable self-care. Mm. You know, and the only person that can prioritize your own health is who? Well, you. <laughs> I've never found a job where someone says, hey, I'm going to pay you to stay happy. I mean, that would be awesome. <laughs> if I could yes, get please. a job like that, I'm just putting that out there. If there's someone out there that needs a position filled like that, please, I'm available. You know, like, but that's not the way it is. That's not how life works. And so we right. have to take ownership on our happiness and put things in place to experience it more. And so the whole Life Fitness Manifesto, I actually, my publisher hates this, but I give it away for free and go to... <laughs> I won't give you the physical book. Please buy that if you want to support it. But the actual program and everything's free. The community's free. Mm. It's have even my business coach is like, dude, you're giving away too much stuff for free. And I'm like, I don't care. I want to make an impact. I want to mm. make a legacy. I want to shift people. You know, this is what I do, what I do. So join WLFM.com. Just opt in there, name it an email. And right away you get started. And yeah, so that's been the main thing that people enjoy the most and get the best results. Beautiful. And that'll be in the show notes as well for our listeners in case you want to get a hold of that. Di, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you in this last hour. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and just being so transparent and candid with me. Like I said, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much. Again, it, this has been just a wonderful conversation. I, I know I've been monopolizing it, but uh, <laughs> I, I gotta say, I just appreciate the opportunity to share some of these stories and actually to go down memory lane a little bit and reflect on some of the learnings that I've had through these experiences. has just been very wonderful for myself as well, from a selfish reason. I just really enjoy that. And and Jen, just to be part of your platform is just wonderful. And I'm excited to stay in touch with you and follow your journey as well. And I'm going to say right now, if you're up in Vancouver anytime soon, we got to connect, you know, after the border well, opens up, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out. But um, yeah. thank you for putting this out to the world. All right. 
Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure. And with that said to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for today's conversation. We hope that in this conversation, you had a moment where you said, wow, I needed to hear this. With that said, we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. 